4 through 40. But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. And the first, that is the first and the great commandment. And Jesus also said the second is just as great as the first, which is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. He said, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. I've titled today's message, today's sermon, Is Your Whole Heart In It? Is Your Whole Heart In It? Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you today, Lord. We want to come before you, Father, with... uh, with the humble heart, Lord, and we thank you, Father, for being in this place because your word says, well, there's two or three, Lord, that's gathered in your name, Lord, that you would be right there in the midst, Father. So we thank you, Lord, for being in our midst. We thank you for, for being with us here today, Father. Father, I pray that the anointing of the Holy Spirit be in this place that will make this preaching, this sermon easy to preach, Lord. And I pray that the anointing will soften the hearts of your people today and that they will receive this word in love, Lord. And we pray that prayer in the only name, the name that is above all names, which is Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Turn to your neighbor and ask them, is your whole heart in it? Is your whole heart in it? Amen, right? It's, a, it's an intriguing question. It's not a riddle. It's not a puzzle. But it's, a, it's an intriguing question because as I did my studies and as I sought the Lord for a message that he wanted to bring to the church, he laid it on my heart. He asked me, Ray, my son, is your whole heart in it? And if he's asking the minister, and if he's asking the leader of the church that is your whole heart in it, he wants to know the church, not just Harvest Point Church, but he's asking the church around the world. He's asking the church down the street, right? He's asking the church in in, in all the cities in the state of Texas and all all those churches in in, in the United States of America and all the churches in the world. Is your whole heart in it? And the reason he asked this question, because as he was tempted by the lawyer, the lawyer wanted to ask him, what, what, what is the greatest commandment? Right. And he says to love thy Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. He wants all of our hearts. He wants my whole heart. Right. He doesn't want part of my heart. He doesn't want my heart to to be somewhere else right now and then try to be with him later on. He doesn't want me to have one foot in and one foot out. He wants all of me. He He wants my whole life. He wants my whole heart. God who loved the whole world gave up his only begotten son, right? So that, so that we would not perish but have everlasting life when we believe in him with our whole heart. I love this because when, when Jesus first came into my life, church family, I was beat down. Yeah. I was broken. I was doing my own thing. I was trying to search for happiness in all the wrong places. Right. I was sharing with the armor bearers. I was sharing with Dr. J back in, in, in the room how I used to live before the Lord touched my heart. Because my heart at one point was like the Bible said in Ezekiel. 
He said, I'm going to give you a new heart to replace the stony heart that you have. And he's talking to the people of Israel. He's talking to his, his chosen people. He's talking to the people that he loved. And he's letting the people that he loved but did not love him the way he loved the people. He says, I know that you have a stony heart. I know your, your heart is going somewhere else. And I know that your heart rebels because your heart's not towards me. So the Lord is saying that he's going to give us a new heart. Yes, because my heart was rebellious. Right. My heart was deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. The Bible says that, that we all have that heart. No one had a good heart. Right. No one had a heart that sought after God. No, not one. But we all had that deceitful, wicked heart that is desperately wicked and is deceitful above all things. Yes. I lived a life, Pastor Josh, where I wanted to do my own thing. Yes, sir. My heart was not with God. Though I grew up in the church, I was in the youth camps, I was in, 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 in all the youth events, but as soon as I became an adult, I left home, And I left the church. My heart, my whole heart was not in it. Jesus tells the Pharisees that when you worship me, I want you to worship me with your whole heart and not with your lips. He understands that when we come to church, sometimes we come to church just to give a check mark. Come on, somebody. Sometimes we come to church just to our, appease a friend or a, appease the pastor or appease a, a spouse or, 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 or just to say that you went to church. If you come to church and you don't receive the word, it's like, it's, 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 it's like the sower who sows that seed. He sow, when the pastor comes up here and teaches and preaches, he's giving out his whole heart to the Lord. When anybody comes up here and preaches and teaches, they're, they're, they're surrendering their heart. They're, they're giving their heart all to God. I say, God, give me what you want to give to your people. Because sometimes we can come to church without our heart even being here. I'll ask another question. Who has your heart? Does your job have your heart? Does your family have your heart? Does, 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 does you planning another vacation, is that your, where your heart's at right now? Are your kids your heart? When Jesus tells us that he loves us, it's not like me telling someone that I love them. Because those are just words. But when Jesus tells you that he loves you, come on somebody. He's telling us his whole heart. We can say we love the Lord, but on Monday through Friday or Monday through Saturday night, your heart might not be with God. I don't know what most folks do on Friday night or Saturday night. But I will share this. My wife and I, we just came back from vacation. We flew in from Niagara Falls, Buffalo area. And it's beautiful out there. But we had had a late flight coming in. They changed our our flight. So by the time we hit Dallas, Fort Worth, it was uh, past 11. And by the time we got our ride home, and by the time we left the airport and came to Mansfield, it was already 12.45. And my wife, it was a long day. She was hungry. I said, I don't know if anything's open. Because it was a 12.45. She goes, I think Whataburger's open. So we'll go to Whataburger, right? And we went to the one on Broad Street. And as soon as we 
turn off that little service road on 360. We go to the right and we look to the left and my wife said, my God, that line is long. <laughs> I said, it's, it's already close to one o'clock in the morning. And I, that's why I asked that question. What are we doing Monday, Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday? Is our whole heart with God? Are we sharing God with our, with, do we take God with us when we go to work? Come on, somebody. I like, I like what the book of Revelation says in chapter 2. If you don't mind me uh, going over there, do you? Revelation chapter 2. God is talking about first love. But first love consists of the heart. Do you know that the Bible tells us that we need to keep our hearts? In other words, we need to guard our hearts. Do you know that things of this world is always going to tug at our heart? Right. When we drive, we see the billboards advertising sports, advertising I'll get stores coming up ahead. But they use those billboards to grab your attention. Yeah. You can't even watch a TV program without the commercial trying to lower your heart. It might be a, it might be a store trying to sell uh, 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 furniture. You might not need furniture, but because they advertise furniture, you're looking at the furniture, you say, I want that. That would look nice in the living room. You might see a commercial of a, of a, of a brand new Lexus and, and you say, man, I like that. I might, go, I might go buy that, you know. Not that we need those things, but the world is going to put temptation out there to see what, how we're going to react. And that's, that's what the enemy does. He, he puts temptations out there. And he put a temptation in, in my life, and I fell for it. I believe the world. I believe it's advertisement. I believe that it was trying to, it throws out an advertisement. If you want to be happy, you got to own this. If you truly want to be happy, you, you got to live over here in this side of the neighborhood. If you want to be truly happy, you got to go, go get educated. If you truly want to be happy, you got to, you got to use that education and climb the corporate ladder. Yeah. And so our heart is, 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 is chasing after everything that, that is out there. And don't you know that when we start chasing those things, we, we forget about God? Yeah, we do. do you know that even while we come and we serve, we serve the Lord and we could be, we could be doing everything that, 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 the church wants us to do. We can play the, the instruments. We can preach. We can be out in the back teaching the kids. We can, we can be doing the camera, the media. We can be serving in, in the usher ministry. But if your heart's not in it, you'll leave the same way that you came in to the house of God. God is about changing lives. God is about transforming the mind. God is about giving you a new vision. God is about giving you a new step. God is always about the new thing. God is always moving forward. God doesn't want us to be stagnant or to be, to be idle or to be even comfortable. God wants us to follow him even when we don't know where he's taking us. Sometimes the heart wants to know where you're taking me, Lord, but the Lord's not always going to tell you where he's taking you. Right. We follow him because we've given him our whole heart. Amen. Lord, you lead the way. Lord, you tell me where to go. Lord, you tell me what to say. Amen. I love, but before I get to the prophet Isaiah, are we there in Revelation chapter 2?
chapter 2, verse 2. <clears throat> I know thy works. He's talking to the church of Ephesus here. Ephesians, I'm sorry. No, Ephesus. It says, I know thy works. Yeah. I know your labor. I'm, and I know thy patience. And how thou hast cast not and bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them, which says they are apostles, and they are not, and hast found them liars, mm -hmm. and has borne, and has patience, and for my name's sake has labored, and has not fainted. But verse 4 goes like this, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. He's talking to the church. He's talking to the church of Ephesus, a church that was hungry and thirsty for the things of God, that when they, when they first started the church, they were doing everything from their heart. Do you remember when you got saved? Do you remember what Jesus, or where Jesus delivered you from? Remember that addiction that he delivered you from? Come on, somebody. Remember that lifestyle that he delivered you from? I'm trying to encourage the church. This is our God. And this is our God that deserves the best. This is our God who wants every, every ounce of our heart. It's a whole heart in it. So when they started, God said, y'all started with fervent eagerness on fire for the things of God. But if we're not careful, those things can't become routine. Right. We can just come to church out of, out of obligation. You know, like I said before, I, I, I'm going because I just want to appease the pastor. I'm going because my friends are there. But are we actually coming to seek the face of God? Are we coming to worship him with all of our hearts? Are we coming to hear what he really has to say for us today? It's your whole heart in it. I remember Isaiah saying, Lord, I'm a man with unclean lips. Yeah. And so the angel touched his lips with a hot coal. <laughs> This is what God does. He, he changes our, our perspective. He changes the way we talk. He said, uh, he said, I'm a man with unclean lips among people with unclean lips. And even when Jesus was telling the Pharisees, you worship me with your, with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. Amen. In other words, the lips were still unclean. Amen. Isaiah said, Lord, I'm a man I'm a man with unclean lips. I'm a man that's not even talking right, God. I'm a man that's speaking foul language. I'm a man that's not even saying the right things. But when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, he's going to put fire in your, in your belly. And when you speak, you're going to speak living water. You're going to speak life into a, a dead situation. God is about changing your heart. And I'm here to tell you that the heart is deceitful above all things and it's desperately wicked. Are you in a situation you got because you followed your heart instead of following the Holy Spirit? How many desperate situations did we find ourselves in and we made a desperate decision? Have you ever made a desperate decision? Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever made a decision because you were following your heart out of desperation instead of asking the Lord, Lord, what should I do? Lord, I need your guidance. Lord, I need your help. Instead of seeking the Lord with our whole heart, we follow the heart which is, which is desperately wicked without God. And we made a desperate decision. Sometimes you be in a certain situation and you make a desperate decision. Can I, can I give some examples? 
Sometimes you might feel lonely. And you make a desperate decision to, to be with this person. Yeah. <laughs> Only to find out years later. <laughs> come on, somebody. Yeah. And you feel like you made a desperate decision outside of the will of God. Because you followed your heart and you were not led of the spirit. Sometimes you made a desperate decision to get a job because you felt like the Lord wasn't going to open the door that you wanted and you made a des desperate decision and you took another job. And you find yourself in that job not really liking that job. Come on, somebody. You find yourself wanting to already abandon that job and quit that job because you made a, a desperate decision. Come on, somebody. Sometimes you'll make a decision because you're following the money instead of you're following God. Sometimes those jobs might give you good money, but you're not happy. Come on, somebody. Do you know that rich, not all rich people are happy? You know, we all want to seek that, that, that Benjamin. We all want the money because that's where our heart, our heart thinks that money will solve everything. But I'm here to tell you, money comes and goes, and money will never solve every problem that you have. It might not solve any problem you have. Money can't solve a broken marriage, I'm here to tell you. Marriage can't solve that sickness. Oh, I'm, I'm talking to somebody. Marriage can't help your, your, your relationship that you have with your children. But yet we want to chase the Benjamin. We want to chase the mighty dollar. We want to chase something that really you perceive or I perceive that this is what's going to make me happy. That if I had so much money, I would really, really be happy, Lord. Do you know that the rich young ruler came to Jesus and he said, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus asked him, have you obeyed the commandments? And he asked, well, which one? Which ones, Lord? He said, well, have you, have you honored your mother and father? Have you ever stolen? Have you ever murdered? Have you ever lied? Have you ever covered? Have you ever hoarded? Have you ever been a false witness? He said, Lord, I've obeyed all those since my youth. And then Jesus said, okay, I'm going to, now Jesus said, you know what? I'm going to check his heart. I'm about to check his heart right here. Come on. You really want to know how to get into the kingdom of God? You put God first. There's no other way to get to, to our heavenly father unless it goes through Jesus. So Jesus, knowing the man's, the rich man's heart, said, you lack one thing. He said, go on. The Bible says that the rich man lived sorrowful. He lived sad. How can, you, how can you possibly leave sorrowful or sad when he had all the money he could possibly have? Because money could not bring him happiness. And I'm here to tell you, my friends, money will never bring happiness. You can work. I'm here to testify that you can work long hours you can work 12 hours for seven days a week and you still won't be content. You still won't be satisfied because you want more and you want more and you want more. See, the only thing that truly satisfies is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He said, if you hunger and you thirst after righteousness, in other words, if you hunger and thirst after me, because Jesus is righteousness. He said, if you hunger and you thirst, and, and, and if I'm the one that you really want, I'll satisfy that hunger. I'll satisfy that thirst. I'm the living water. I'll satisfy your thirst. I'm the living bread. Come on, somebody. I'll satisfy your hunger. I'll satisfy your hunger like nothing else can. I love what the Bible says. In the beginning, 
God created the heavens and the earth. I've got three points I want to make today. One, God is supreme. God is ruler of everything. He's even the ruler. If you allow him, if you're anointed by the Holy Spirit, he actually owns your heart. He owns everything that we have. What are we doing with the things that God's given us? How are we giving back to God what belongs to God? And I'm not talking about finances. I'm talking about our hearts, our bodies. Our bodies is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Bought with a price. (laughs) You say, well, how did he buy it? He died on the cross and he purchased you out of the hand of the enemy. We were going the opposite direction and God stepped in and God said, I'll buy him. I'll buy him. I'll buy him, I'll buy her, I'll buy her, I'll buy, because he loved us. And it took a perfect price, a perfect appropriation, and a perfect gift to purchase unperfect people. Oh, sometimes, sometimes we, we get so high and mighty in our lives because we've seen the blessing of God in our lives. And sometimes we look at ourselves here and we look down at certain people. Amen. When we do that, our heart's not all in it with God. God tells us to be humble, to be meek, to condescend thyself. In other words, make them better, lift them up better. Pastor, <laughs> Pastor Danny would always say, turn to your neighbor and tell him, you're better than I. <laughs> he would always tell, Pastor Danny would always say, Tell your neighbor, tell your wife, tell your husband, you're better than I. Oh, come on, somebody. So God is supreme. That means he's ruler of everything. That at the beginning, before anything even began, God already existed. God was already supreme. God is supreme, will always be supreme. God is good because he's always been good. God is great because he's always been great. He was great even before he spoke, let there be light. He was great and he was faithful. He was full of grace and full of mercy even before a word was spoken in creation. And I love God because he is the creator of the universe. He's creator of the world. God doesn't ask or consult with any man. He's all wisdom. He's all knowing. He's all knowledge. How can a God who's perfect consult with somebody when he's making something or when he's creating something? God doesn't doesn't consult with anyone. He's God. He's perfect. He don't need permission. He does what he does does because it pleases him when he does things. God doesn't do things out of evil. He does things out of goodness. Everything that he's done, he's done out of the goodness of his heart. Creation was was the goodness of his heart. That every time he created something, he would look back and say, it is good. He created the birds, the trees, the plants, the herbs, the fishes in the seas. The stars in the sky. And he turned around and he said, it is good. It is good because God created it. It is good because the hand of God was all over it. God didn't have to consult with anybody. When he put the stars in the sky, he didn't didn't consult with an astronomer or an astrologist. He didn't, he, when he separated the land from the sea, he made the seas, he made the ocean. He didn't consult an oceanographer. Come on, somebody. When, 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 he, when he numbered the stars in, in, in the galaxies, he didn't, he didn't consult with a mathematician. He numbered the stars 
He knows how many stars are up there. He knows the very details of everything that he's created. And because we are created in his image and his likeness, he knows every detail about our life. God is supreme. God is supreme. He didn't consult with the zoologist when he created the animals. Come on, somebody. He didn't, cre- he didn't consult with a, a doctor or a biologist when he decided to create man out of dust. Right, right. Woo. When he fashioned woman, he didn't consult a, a cosmetologist. Is that what you call him? Cosmetologist. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. God is, God is supreme. His ways and his thoughts are much higher than our ways and our thoughts. And that's why I give my heart to God because God knows everything and he knows everything that he does for me. And I know that everything that he does for me is for my good. Everything that I plan, everything that I devise, I feel right flat in my face. But God's purpose always prevails because he's supreme. Even when we make the wrong mistakes, even when we make the wrong choices, God turns it around for the good. I'm so glad for that because I've made many mistakes. I've made many bad decisions. I've walked the opposite way, but God turned it all for my good. Because he is supreme. Hallelujah. He He didn't consult with a meteorologist. Y'all know what a meteorologist is, right? The weatherman. We know how meteorologists are these days. You believe the meteorologist when he tells you it's going to rain and you cancel your plans and it don't rain. (laughs) But when the thoughts of the people were heavy, evil, And even though hearts were evil, God said, I'm going to destroy the whole earth. He said, I'm going to bring rain for 40 days and for 40 nights. Did he consult with the meteorologist? For 40 days and for 40 nights, it rained constantly. I'm not talking about it rained for six hours and then it stopped for three hours and then it rained again. This was rain from the morning for 24 hours for 40 days straight. God is supreme. But God said, you'll never see that again. <laughs> you'll never see that. <laughs> Hallelujah. And sometimes we go through something and sometimes he delivers you and he'll say, you'll never see that again. Oh, I wish I had a witness right there. When the disciples were, were on the ship in the, middle of, in the middle of the night and Jesus had already sent them to go to the other side and Jesus went to the mountain to go pray and he already displayed his power. He already displayed his supremacy when he took 12, when he took 12 baskets. Come on, somebody. Five fishes and two loaves and he, and, he, and he broke it and he filled 12 baskets and he fed 5,000 men. That's not including their, their spouses or their children. If they had a spouse and just one child, that was 15,000 people that he fed with five loaves and two fishes. God is supreme. God can do what only God can do. Oh, I, I, I love what Isaiah also said. He said, I saw, let me, let me get that scripture. I had to, I turned my page too soon. In the year that King Uzziah died, I also saw the Lord sitting high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Psalms 103.19 says, The Lord has prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. God is supreme, that when he sent the disciples in the middle In the middle of the night, a great storm arose. 
and they were afraid. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up at the fourth watch or the fourth hour. And they thought they had seen a ghost. And Jesus said, don't be afraid, it is I. And Peter said, Lord, if it be, if it is you, bid me to come. And even Jesus said, come. And he stepped out of that boat and he started walking towards Jesus. He started walking towards Jesus because he believed Jesus when he said, come. Yes. He believed it with all his heart when he said, yes, you can step out of the boat and you can come towards me. Peter believed that, but as soon as he took his eyes off the Lord, he fell right into the sea, and the Lord reached down and grabbed him. That even, even his disciples would make mistakes. Even his disciples would turn his eye away from God. Apostle Paul said that he's the author and the finisher of my faith, so that's why I fixed my eyes on Jesus. He's the author He's supreme. The same God that was with, with Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the same God we serve. It's the same God who takes care of us the way he took care of them. It's our heart in it. God is supreme. God is supreme. If your heart's in it, you have to have a heart of expectancy. Come on, somebody. There's a story, I'm going to make it quick because I know we're getting out of time here. But there's a story in the Bible where there was a woman that had an issue of blood. She went to many doctors for 12 years, could not seek resolution. She was sick for 12 years. The Bible says she went to many physicians. Her heart believed that if I could find me the right doctor, I would be healed. Her heart believed that that. In 12 years, one of these doctors is finally going to have the answer. One of these doctors is going to have the cure for me. But after 12 years and after all her money was spent, the Bible says she grew worse. She was broke. She lost her hope. She gave up on doctors. But then she heard of Jesus. And she said, if I just go touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. She had a, now her heart got stirred up some because the doctors broke her heart. But, but there, was a, there was something that stirred her heart up that said, if I go to the Lord, I know that I'm going to be made whole. See, there has to be something that stirs us up. And say, look, if I go to God, I know God's going to heal me. I know God's going to be the answer. I know God's going to be my help. But you have to have a heart that's all in. Is it all in? Because sometimes we look for resolutions in a lawyer, in an attorney, in a doctor, in a friend, in a boss, in a neighbor. And God will let you go. But you won't have the answer that you're really looking for. Hey, your answer only comes from Jesus. Hey. So after 12 years, she had a heart. Her heart finally got stirred up because she heard of Jesus. She heard of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. She heard of the Savior. She heard this man can heal. That he heals lepers. Come on, somebody. That he can, that he can heal a, a, a wicked tax collector. Come on, somebody. And so she, her heart got stirred up, and she had a heart of expectancy. And she went, and because her faith believed, she was made whole. Come on, somebody. So you got to have a faith in Jesus. Because you can hear of Jesus, but if you don't put your faith in Jesus, come on, somebody, there's a difference. Because people hear of Jesus and yet not believe in Jesus. They hear of his great miracles. They hear of his great teachings, but they don't want to follow him. But once you get to know him, and once what it was, 
Her faith said that if I just touched the hem. But it was his touch that made her whole. Oh, come on, somebody. And then there was another man, a centurion, who, who had a heart of expectancy, and he was a Gentile. He said, he said, Lord, I have a servant that is sick. And if you just speak the word, Lord, he shall be made whole. He shall be healed. And Jesus said, well, let me just go to your house. He said, just say the word, Lord. Oh, he, he had a heart of expectancy. He said, Lord, you don't even have to. I'm unworthy for you to come under my roof. But just say, just say the word. He said, because I'm a man of authority. If I tell him to go, he'll go. If I tell him to come, he'll come. If I tell him to do this, he'll do it. And Jesus said, I'm not seeing such great faith like that in Israel. And he said, your servant is healed. Yeah. Come on, somebody. Yeah. So as children of God, is, 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 our, is our heart right there? Is our heart right there having a heart of expectancy and expecting God to move in, in the situation that you want him to move by faith? Have you heard something at your job? Have you heard something at home and said, that's not God? But if, if, if you allow me, <laughs> if you allow me to go and pray, God will touch that person. We have to have a heart of expectancy, but we also have to have a heart that's sensitive than hearing the word of God. Can I share an experience that I shared at work, that I had at work, where I heard about a friend and his name was David. Said, man, he has cancer. And I believe, I want to say he was in stage three. But they say he wasn't, he wasn't looking good. So I asked, well, where's he at? Said, well, he's at Arlington, the MCA hospital. So I went over there. Because the Spirit is telling me, go over there. Go over there and pray. So when I went over there, to pray, I had a heart of expectancy because I was all in. And when I went in there, it can be discouraging because in there, there was like 15 guys in there from my job. They weren't talking about Jesus. They weren't lifting up the name of the Lord in, in that hospital room. They were talking, they had a, un, they were people with unclean lips in that hospital room. But the Lord said, I'm greater. I'm supreme. And if you believe, and if you have a heart of expectancy, pray. So I was getting ready to leave and I said, hey, David, can I pray for you? And all of a sudden we started praying. And I felt the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and I left. After I was through praying, I left. Weeks later, I, I find out, well, David's out of the hospital. <laughs> he said he, the cancer had left him. And even, and even to this day, and even to this day, he's cancer-free. My last point, if your whole heart's in it, you will promote Jesus. Oh, come on, somebody. You know, we promote everything else. You know, we, can't, we just came, like I said, we just came back from Niagara Falls and... and, and uh, you know, when you go on a trip, you're going to find out some things that you're not going to find out on the Internet. The Internet tells you, hey, go to this restaurant, go to this restaurant, go eat here, go stay at this hotel. This is one of the great hotels here. And, and when you make, you, you believe it. You do your online booking and everything, and you say, hey, I'm going to go try those restaurants. And, and when you get there, you realize, man, we, we should have stayed at 
Man, if we just stayed at that hotel over there, it's a little bit closer. And so you realize that we came back from this vacation, and my wife and I say, if anybody wants to come here, we're going to tell them where to stay. We're going to tell them where to eat and where not to eat. I said, baby. I said, baby, that's what, that's what we do, right? When we go on vacation, we tell, man, we should have stayed. Let me tell you about this restaurant <laughs> where we were at this place or whatever. You know, you can go to wherever you vacation at. You always tell somebody, man, you got to try this restaurant. If you go to San Francisco, you got to try this restaurant. When you go to Chicago, you know, we, we promote those places because your, your heart was in, in your vacation. You put everything into your vacation, and, and, and that's all you're thinking about. Even when you come home, you're still talking about your vacation. Even today, my wife was talking about the vacation, and she was la- she's already planning on the next vacation. I said, baby, can you just slow your roll for a minute? <laughs> but if we had that same eagerness, the way we have to share what we've experienced, Oh, baby, if you ever experienced Jesus and if you ever experienced his goodness, you want to promote Jesus. You want to tell somebody about Jesus. The woman with the issue of blood, she heard of Jesus. Somebody was promoting Jesus. Hey, when the satyrian heard of Jesus, somebody again was promoting Jesus. So I'm going to go back to a different co-worker. I'll tell you his name. His name was Jesse. And Jesse said, hey, I, I ran into David at the motor speedway, that racing place. In Denton, what's that called? Motor, motor Speedway? <laughs> Texas Motor Speedway. And uh, I said, well, how's he doing? Oh, man, he's doing great. And then I explained to him that that he was sick. I explained to him that he had cancer, and I explained to him what the Lord did. So here I am. I'm, I'm promoting God. I'm promoting Jesus. Come to find out that Jesse said, my son has lost his eye, uh, has lost his eyesight on one of his eyes. I don't know if it was his, red or, uh, his right eye or his left eye. But as I was telling him and, and testifying on how good God was, was towards David, I was actually promoting Jesus. Your testimony is, the, is, is promoting Jesus. If you have a testimony, and I believe we all have a testimony, and we share our testimony, we are promoting Jesus. We are lifting up the name of the Lord. And so there I was, lifting up the name of the Lord and, and sharing with Jesse what he had done with David in his life. He said, can I share something with you? I said, sure. My son lost his eyesight on one of his eyes. Because he, he was wearing contacts and he was some cleaning solution on the contact. He, was allergic, he had an allergic reaction to the point where he lost his eyesight. He was ordering medicine overseas to try to help his son restore his sight. And he said, none of it's working. I said, I know one. I know one that can heal. I know one that can help your son. My wife was there. We went to his house. And he's, he's my co-worker. I understand he's my co-worker. And we're... we're not real close friends, like away from the job, but when we're at work, he's, he's my friend. And when I went there, I felt like the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit was upon me, and the Holy Spirit said, go in there as a prophet. So I, I, so I just went in there and I told him, I'm not coming in here as your co-worker. I'm not coming in here as your friend, but I'm coming here as a prophet of God. I'm coming here as a representative of God and what God can do. 
I'm a spokesman for, the, for our Heavenly Father. Amen. I said, I'm here because God is going to heal your son's eyesight. Yes, sir. Yes. I said, where's your son? He said, he's in his room. I said, call him out. So he called him out. I, I talked to him. I told him who I was. I asked him if it was okay for me to pray. He said, yes. Anointed him with the oil. Prayed God's deliverance and to his eye to restore what the enemy has taken from him. And we proclaim, hallelujah, kneeling, healing in the name of Jesus. Right. So about a month passed, and I see my friend at work, but I'm not going to ask him. Because I'm not, hey, did God, did God you know, heal you? I said, I'm just going to wait till he tells me something. A month later, he, he comes up to me. He says, Ray, you remember when you went to my house and you prayed for my son? I said, yes. Man, he has better eyesight than, than when he first lost his eyesight. <laughs> baby, our hearts, our hearts got to be in it, baby, because when your heart's in it, you want to promote Jesus. You know, and let me encourage the church. That, I'm through, but let me encourage the church <laughs> that following the Lord is not always going to be easy. Right. We're going to have some hard times. Yeah. We're going to go through some difficult situations. Right. But don't let that affect your heart. Right. As a matter of fact, the Bible says guard your heart. Because that's where all your emotions and all your feelings are going to flow through your heart. The Bible says, just guard that heart. He said, because you're going to go through some hardships in life. There's going to be times when there's sickness in your life. There's going to be times when you, you might get a pink slip at your job. There might, there might be some times when you're having family issues or marital issues. But don't give up on God. See, that's what the enemy's trying to do. He's, when we go through those si certain situations, the enemy's talking in our ears and saying, man, get out of that marriage. Man, you, you'll never get another job like that. You'll, 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 you'll always be sick. You'll always have that pain in your side. In your side. I remember years ago, I used to have a pain on my side. I would pray, and it was still there. But you know what? I still, I still praise God at the altar. Amen. Through my sickness, through my pain, through my difficult times, I, I didn't give up on the God who didn't give up on me. Amen. And so I said, if I'm in it, I'm going to be all in it. I don't, I don't care if I lose my job. I don't care if I get sick. I don't care if I'm, uh, if, if I'm having uh, family issues. I don't care if, if other people don't see the way I see. I'm going to praise the name of the Lord with my whole heart, with my whole soul, with my whole mind, with my whole strength. I'm going to give God my whole heart because he's worthy of everything. Oh, I'm praying. I'm praying for the church this morning. I'm going to go ahead and close it up. I don't know if anybody wants to come to the altar. I don't know. We're, going to, we're not going to have music being played. But if you want to come to the altar right now is the time to come. We'll pray for you. But if you just want to stay seated at your seat, I'll pray for you while you're staying seated. Because we serve an awesome God. As a matter of fact, I know we serve an awesome God. And I'm going to read a certain scripture. Because there's sometimes in our lives when we make mistakes, some real bad mistakes. Yes, sir. And I want to talk about a man that chased after God's own heart. Is that okay? Yeah. Here's a man that chased after God's own heart and he made mistakes in his own life. We all know about King David. We all know how he took his eyes off of God and he set his eyes on a beautiful young lady. And we know that the Bible says that he had committed adultery and he tried to cover it up because she ended up getting pregnant. And so her husband wasn't at war where he should have been. 
but yet he stayed back and he called for her husband to come because he figured that if I can get him back home from war, that he would go home and be with his wife. If you're ever in the military and you get a chance to come home, come on, somebody. You just want to be with your family. But he, his heart was with his fellow soldiers, Uriah, the husband of Bathsheba. He did not even go home. He slept at the, at the, at the steps of the palace and not go home. So King David said, well, if I get him drunk, he might want to go home. So he drank some. He still didn't go. So then he said, well, he was going back. He was going back to, to, the, to, to, the, to the war. He said, I got to go back there. And so King David sends him a, a little scroll. And that scroll, when the captain read it, it says, put him on the front line. And had him, and he went, and he put him in the front lines, and Uriah was killed. So here King David committed adultery, committed murder. Yeah. Here's a man that, was, that had a heart after God's own heart, and yet he made mistakes. So I'm here to tell you that we all going to make mistakes in our lives. But what did, he, what did King David do, though? See, this is where we have to come to reality. What do we do when we get in, find ourselves doing wrong before the Lord? Because King David said, Lord, not, I didn't just sin against, against man, Lord. I sinned against you, God. Amen. Every sin that we commit, we commit against God. That's right. So, God, so, so King David says in Psalms 51, 10, he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. And they re, and renew a right spirit within me. He says, cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. He said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then I will teach transgressors thy way and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness O God thou God of my salvation and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness O Lord open thy my lips and my mouth shall show forth thy praise for thou desires not sacrifice else I would have given it but thou delightest not in the burnt offerings he says the sacrifice of God are a broken Spirit, a broken and contrite heart, oh God, that will not despise. If, if we just, when we find ourselves in a situation where we did things out of character, godly character, if I can say it like that, if we've done things that was not pleasing to God and we know we made a desperate decision or just a bad decision, we need to be just like King David and say, Lord, Creating me a clean heart. Right. Lord, because God, he, God will do it. That was a cry of repentance. God wants us to repent. When we do wrong, he's just asking us to come to him in repentance. He's not going to push us away. That's not our God. Our God says, come on to me. Those who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Amen. He said, learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. He said, my, my, burden, my burden is light and my yoke is easy. Or my yoke is easy, my burden is light. God is saying, you can come to me even if you make a mistake. Yes, God will not turn us away, church family. God will never turn us away. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand clap this morning. I just want to say that uh, <clears throat> in my own life, I had to <clears throat> repent of my own sins. In my own life, I followed my heart and, 
and I've done some bad decisions in my life. But I ran into the Savior. I ran into his goodness and his grace and his mercy. And now, wherever I go, grace and mercy is right behind me. (laughs) And I'm so grateful for that. I was sharing with uh, uh, Dr. J, Damien, uh, Richard back there that God is so good to us that he's already waiting for you when you open up your eyes in the morning. It's called mercy. For mercies are new every morning. Come on, somebody. As soon as you open up your eyes, mercy's right there in front of you. Revelation says that Jesus Christ is the first and the last, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. So a whole heart, I'm just going to say this. When we give our whole heart to God, that's saying, God, you're first in everything that I do. You're first when I wake up in the morning. And before I lay my head down, you're going to be the last person that I talk to, Lord, because you are the first and you are the last. You're the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. That's who you are, God. And I give you my whole heart. I give you my heart. Amen. Amen. Amen.